Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 772. We're looking at Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. Let's read our passage. Then the disciples came up and asked him, Why are you speaking to them in parables? He answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know but has not been given to them. For whoever has, more will be given to him, and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. That is why I speak to them in parables, because looking they do not see, hearing they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would heal them. Blessed are your eyes, because they do see, and your ears, because they do hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them, to hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's presenting this account of the ministry of Jesus to convince people that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's presenting this teaching, preaching, healing ministry of Jesus, and we're focusing right now on a section of teaching. Matthew has these five discourses, these extended teaching events. This is the third one. The first one was the discourse on discipleship, the Sermon on the Mount. The second was the discourse on mission, where he was sending his disciples out. This is what we call the parable discourse. It's a series of eight parables that all are grouped together here, but there's a few interludes in them, and this is one of them where Jesus is talking with his disciples. He wanted to get away from the crowd, so he went down to the edge of the water at the Sea of Galilee and got on a boat and backed out away from the crowd a little bit. And there he began to teach them in parables. He began with the parable of the sower. We pick it up, chapter 13, verse 10. Then the disciples came up and asked him, why are you speaking to them in parables? Now, through this whole section, Jesus is presenting these parables to the crowds. There's a couple of times where he's now having these one-on-one conversations with his disciples. Now, Jesus got into a boat to speak to the crowd, and it's hard to say exactly what the setting is, but he got on the boat to get a little bit of distance from the crowd. So is the setting here that the disciples are on the boat with him? It would make sense. Matthew doesn't spell it out because it's not that important. What's important is what is said. But it seems that to best understand it, that Jesus is on this boat, the disciples are on the boat with him. So he can have these side conversations with the disciples without the crowd hearing. So Jesus has just given the parable of the sower to the crowd. And now the disciples are asking him privately on the boat, why do you speak to them in parables? Verse 11, he answered, Because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given for you to know, but has not been given to them. 
Okay, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the word gets translated secrets is the Greek word mysterium. It can be translated as mystery or secrets. A lot of English translations use mystery. Uh, a lot use secrets. Is there a difference? Eh, not really. Sometimes there's a little nuance maybe in how we understand it in English. Mystery, sometimes we think of something that's unknowable maybe. Or secrets or something that you either know or you don't. It's not unknowable. You, once you're told, you know. And I think that's why uh, so many translations use secrets, because the way Jesus is using it, it's much the way Paul uses it in his letters, this mystery, the secret, it's something that was unknown, but has now been revealed, not necessarily to everyone, and that's what Jesus is saying here. These are secrets that have been revealed to you, but not to them. Revealed to the disciples not revealed to the crowd, who are not disciples. And this is going along with the theme we often see in the Old Testament, is there are two kinds of people. There are followers of Christ and everyone else. So you either follow Christ or you're not. And the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been revealed to the followers of Christ. They have not been revealed to people who are not. The key word there is revealed. And what is this secrets of the kingdom of heaven? There's some debate about that. I think the cleanest way to understand it is just the, the fact of the arrival of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven has been expected throughout the Old Testament, it's been expected by the Jews. The, the secret is it's here. It's here now. Then he goes on in verse 12. For whoever has, more will be given to him and he will have more than enough. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This has the, the feel of a proverb, and it is something of a proverb. It's a, a wise saying. And he's a, applying it here to spiritual reality, specifically spiritual perceptions, because that's what he's talking about here, is understanding spiritual truths. And the, the imagery is... is that when it comes to spiritual perception, both gains and losses are compounded. They're multiplied. So the, the more you understand, the more you understand. The, the more you don't understand, the less you understand from a spiritual perspective. Now remember, he's applying that to the people. So you, the disciples, are understanding things spiritually. So you will understand more. But those who don't understand things spiritually, they're not going to get it. They're going to understand even less. Now verse 13. That is why I speak to them in parables. Because looking, they do not see. And hearing, they do not listen or understand. Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them. Now he's pointing to Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. He specifically says that this is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah. Now, he uses a different word, fulfill, than is normally used. That's the only place you see this. And it can almost be translated as fulfilled again, in that Isaiah's prophecy was fulfilled at, in Isaiah's time, but is being fulfilled again now in the time of Jesus. Now, Isaiah 6, 9, and 10, this is right after the call of Isaiah. 
We often read the account where Isaiah has this vision. He's transported to the throne room of God. He sees the angelic beings flying around, singing, holy, holy, holy. And he says, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live amongst a people of unclean lips, and I've seen the Lord. And the angelic being picks up a coal from the altar and touches his lips and cleanses him. And the Lord says, who shall we send? And Isaiah says, send me. That's where we normally end it. That's verse 8. Then verse 9 and 10, Jesus quotes here. So verse 14, Isaiah's prophecy is fulfilled in them, which says, You will listen and listen, but never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing. And they have shut their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn back, and I would heal them. So in Isaiah's context, this is the calling of Isaiah. When Isaiah is being appointed to go be a prophet to the people, he's being told, go speak the message of God to the people of God. But he's making it clear that the, the expectation is the people are not going to listen to his message. And they're going to fail to repent. And because of that, fail to receive healing from God. And the message of Isaiah is a pretty doom and gloom message. God's judgment is coming. You are about to be judged as a people by God. Now, later on, there's a message of hope, a message of the coming Messiah. But the here and now, it's doom. It is judgment. You have to say, well, then why has God even send Isaiah if the expectation is he's going to be ignored? Well, he's not going to be ignored by 100% of the people. Some will respond. But by and large, the people as a whole will reject his message and suffer the judgment of God. And so it's a similar thing going on here in the time of Jesus. Yes, some people do respond to the message and repent and experience salvation, experience a relationship with God. But by and large, most people are rejecting his message. So the summary of the prophecy from Isaiah is that people will not perceive God's truth because they are not open to God's truth. Continues in verse 16. Blessed are your eyes because they do see and your ears, because they do hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see the things you see, but didn't see them. To hear the things you hear, but didn't hear them. This goes back to, these spiritual things have been revealed to you, but not the people at large. And that's a good thing. You are truly blessed, because you do see these spiritual truths. And even the Old Testament prophets and righteous people in the Old Testament, they didn't get to see it as clearly as you do. You can see God's plan unfolding here. You see the kingdom of God arriving here and see what's going on in a way they could never see, could never experience. And so that's why they longed to see the things you see, to hear the things you hear. So we have to step back and ask, is God hiding? Is he purposely hiding things from people? No, the parables are designed to make you think. 
But if you don't want to think about it, you're going to miss it. They're designed to cause you to have a higher degree of contemplation about the things of the kingdom of God. If you're already rejecting Jesus, and they're by default rejecting the things he says, you're going to miss these messages of the kingdom of God. So God's not hiding. He's proclaiming some hard things. And if you're already pushing back, you're not necessarily going to respond to the hard things. So Jesus' strategy is not to soften the message up. Oh, you guys don't like the way God works? Well, let me change it and make it a little more palatable to you. No, he dishes it out as it is. This is the way it is. God is offering salvation, but it's on his terms. He's not going to soften it to make it more acceptable to you. He's not going to keep lowering the price of salvation until it's something you're willing to pay. No, God offers salvation on God's terms. And if you don't accept those terms, you don't accept God. You are rejecting God. You're rejecting his offer of salvation, and you will suffer the consequences. And the consequences are God's judgment. So the comparison of the people of the time of Jesus, the people of the time of Isaiah, are very striking. Isaiah has come to offer them God's solution to their problems, but their hearts are so hard, they're so calloused, that they are just flat rejecting God's offer. And that's a case we even see today so often is God's offer of salvation is, is so clear and plain, it seems, but people still reject it and suffer the consequences. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.